Welcome to Everything with Everett. This is a talk show podcast hosted by Everett McConaughey from Boise, Idaho. The purpose of this production is to share thoughts, voices, and information to further a discussion on who we are as individuals, communities, and a global society. Everything with Everett is open to all topics of discussion. Faith, science, history, finances, social issues, and, well, everything. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Visit everettpodcast.com for all the details. Hello, everybody. Happy 2022. We are finally in the new year, and I'm back with you. I did take a break uh, last month, the passing of my dad, Larry Grinsing Jr. I hope you took time to listen to his eulogy and live sketch that we put together. Um, We are planning on doing a memorial park bench in one of his favorite places in the mountains of Idaho. We will share that information as a family once that process gets uh, moving along in the spring. Hopefully we'll have a like a dedication thing for that. <clears throat> anyway, thank you to everyone who uh, contributed to the funds. If anyone from the podcast audience did that, thank you, thank you, thank you. We did reach our $2,000 goal by the end of last year. So this week... I want to talk about something that I wanted to talk about last month, but with everything going on, there just wasn't any time. This actually stems from events in November of 2021. You might be familiar with them. They were, you know, making the rounds around the news, still kind of waving around a little bit, but for the large part, it has died down. But it's still an issue that I think needs to be addressed. And... We need to make sure that we are carrying the flame against rhetoric that was spewed by Scott Yenner, a professor at Boise State University. And to be fully transparent, I actually took a class from him back in, oh geez, was it fall of 07 or fall of 08? But when I was a student at Boise State University taking a political science course. I forget what it was called. Honestly, one of the most boring classes I've ever had in my life. The dude just is just crazy. He really is. Um, That's my personal opinion. He just was very into himself. Looking back, incredibly misogynistic, anti-woman, anti-LGBT rights, just very traditional in his views of family and you know everybody should be making babies and there's nothing more to life than that but unfortunately children don't pay the bills although i'm sure if we you know went back in the day we'd repeal those child labor laws and fix that system in their eyes i'm sure they would appreciate that so without further ado I want to play in the entirety. It's about 15 minutes. I'm going to put chapter markers on this episode. So feel free to skip forward if you don't want to hear it, if you've heard it, whatever. But just for the sake of on the record, um, so that we all know what I'm referencing in response, I'm playing the totality of Scott Yenner's address. This is from November 1st, 2021. Uh, Scott Yenner's address to the Second National Conservative Conference 
conservatism conference. I don't know who put it together, how long they've been around, really don't care. But somebody recorded this wonderful masterpiece, and um, we're going to talk about it today. As national conservatives understand better than most, families matter for every civilization. Why? There can be no great countries without great families. And today, America is destroying family life. How? Feminism and sexual liberation theories above all. And conservatives have been complicit in this too. A genuinely national conservatism will have to be bolder and better. And I'm going to limit myself to discussing the political and personal evils that flow from feminism. Our culture is steeped with feminism. It teaches young boys and girls that they are motivated by much the same things and want much the same things. Thus, girls are told to become as independent as boys are said to be. Feminism's teaching of androgyny and individualism is a fundamental threat to strong, fruitful families, and a genuine nation cannot exist without strong and fruitful families. A simple truth about national conservatism is this. No national conservatism can be built from the assumptions and aspirations of today's modern, single, independent, urban woman. There is no way to go from sex in the city to national conservatism. There is no way to go from an ethic of individual vanity in the service of fleeting beauty and middling feminine careerism to an ethic of self-sacrifice in the service of higher things. The feminist ethic of careerism and easy sex is a recipe for national disaster. It has sold many women a bill of goods, and a genuinely fulfilling communal family life has been a casualty of the lies that our country's leaders have been telling. It has led to many men without purpose in their lives, and just as many women who are friendless, unhappy, and without purpose. Our celebration of the independent woman seems, nevertheless, to be one of our sacred opinions. No art or film dares to do anything but celebrate this strong, independent woman. Our opinion makers worship her. But what does this independent woman really mean? Our independent women seek their purpose in life in mid-level bureaucratic jobs like human resource management, environmental protection, and marketing. They are more medicated, meddlesome, and quarrelsome than women need to be. Without connections to eternity delivered through their family, such medicated, quarrelsome, and meddlesome women gain their meaning through the seeming participation in the global project. They are agents of the new world, but not new life. Such women are now the backbone of every left-wing cosmopolitan party in the Western world from the Greens in Germany to the Democratic Party in America. And if our ideal woman is a childless media scold or a barren bureaucratic apparatchik, there is no question whether we can have a future. We can't. There is a question of whether we deserve one. Stats back up the important uh, observations here. Our feminist culture points women, especially young women, 
away from marriage and family life through its celebration of careerism. Thus, more and more women, every generation, delay marriage and increasingly forego marriage. As women delay and forego marriage, they're increasingly likely to delay and forego having children. When women forego marriage and decline to have children, men are not called forth to duties, to the duties of fatherhood, for instance. And when men are not called forth to duties of fatherhood, they're hardly called forth to any duties at all. The providing father is the model for all male duty. Many men lose their way when they are not called forth towards such important duties like fatherhood that connect them with enduring commitments through creating a family and leading a marriage. Great nations are ultimately built by strong, responsible, sacrificial male leadership. This is prepared in family life. Yet we expect very little out of our young boys and young men. They are disposable and underemployed. And in fact, our feminist culture stigmatizes the fledgling and awkward ambitions for manliness as toxic and antisocial. Instead of promoting family life, our reigning ethos celebrates the independent woman as the greatest invention of our age. We tell ourselves that we have invented happiness. Our only problems are that we haven't found enough ways to empower her, enough ways to allow her ethos to rule. We have a long way to go, we hear, or so we're told. And how have conservatives responded to this revolution in human affairs? Conservatives have tried to convince themselves that the independent woman is really a natural conservative, that they will get ahead by offering her more opportunity and lower taxes, These seemingly independent women should love lower taxes and free trade we have to offer. Conservatives are the real feminists, we tell ourselves, and progressives are the real misogynists. Meanwhile, as conservatives celebrate this corrosive of national greatness, they ignore and implicitly criticize their own voters, the mothers and wives of America's families. Just as Republicans often ignore their own voters in the never-ending search for the black vote, they ignore mothers and wives in their efforts to close the gender gap. It's kind of laughable. Conservative Inc. has also spoken of family values. This was uh, a mantra from the 80s, 90s, mostly mostly 90s. Uh, That has been the the greatest or the closest conservatives have ever come to really speaking on behalf of their own voters. But this androgynous slogan, family values, has been a smokescreen for families that accommodate the independent woman or families with feminism. Every Republican president, every Republican president has pursued policies that encourage women to work after they have children. Cheaper national daycare. We'll deliver it better and less expensively than the liberals. And these are always done in the name of family values. Conservatives spent a generation trying to offer better programs for the independent woman while ignoring the mothers and fathers at the heart of their coalition. But none of this has moved the needle. And in fact, conservatives have continued to lose ground. Why this mistake? Why these errors? Why this strategy? 
Conservatives have generally accepted the feminist moral high ground, either out of fear of running afoul of the feminist overlords in the country or out of conviction. Conservative Inc. has been afraid to identify the importance of promoting women's roles within the family and the need for manly leadership. So it talks in this vague sense about family values. The usefulness, however, of this strategy has been greatly overrated. Uh, Conservatives have operated within the feminist view of promoting androgyny and used the value-neutral family values lingo to symbolize their own defeat. This can no more go on. We need a sexual counter-revolution. Instead of painting an androgynous picture of the future, the future of a great nation needs to be thoroughly sexed when it comes to family policy. Part of of our education project is preparing young men and young women for different destinies. Not careers, not parenthood, another one of these androgynous words. Our educational project uh, as a people is to expect young men to become fathers and all that that implies, and young women to become mothers with all that implies. We need to stop looking at every boy and girl as a future worker or a future achiever and start thinking of them as future husbands and fathers and future wives and mothers. And this will need encouragement. It needs intention, since ignoring it obviously leads to less of it. If we want a great nation, we should be preparing young women to become mothers, not finding every reason for young women to delay motherhood until they are established in a career or sufficiently independent. We lie to young women when we tell them that it is easy to become pregnant whenever one wants in life. Never does anyone say to the young women that the peak period for pregnancy is between the late teens and the late 20s. Rarely are young women told that their ability to conceive children declines quite a bit after the late 20s and declines rapidly after the mid-30s. Ancient people used to pray to the gods of fertility. We pray to infertility gods. Women used to have many children when the odds of dying in childbirth were actually very high. Now deaths in childbirth are rare, but our birth rates are at historic lows. This has to stop if we are to be a great nation. Our very low birth rates reflect our lack of confidence in the future and compromise our ability as a people to act. The rebirth of marriage is a national imperative. Young men must be respectable and responsible to inspire young women to be secure with feminine goals of homemaking and having children. But the problem is much deeper than all of this. Male achievement in our country is not celebrated, though males continue to be among the highest achievers. In fact, we go out of our way to stop celebrating it, Our feminist culture leads us to want less male achievement. Their excellence, after all, creates inequities. That's a shame. That denial of reality has to stop. Every effort must be be made not to recruit women into engineering, but rather to recruit and demand more of men who become engineers. Ditto for med school and the law and every trade. Efforts should be redoubled to encourage more men to enter the medical field, space exploration, mining endeavors, and every other high-end and even low-end profession. 
If every Nobel Prize winner is a man, that's not a failure. It's kind of a cause for celebration. Why can't our celebration of male excellence in sports be translated into all facets of life? More successful men will mean more happy citizenry and a stronger nation. Perhaps mandatory gun training should come down. I'm from Idaho, so I'm required to say that. (laughs) The promotion of wrestling and other acts of physical courage are necessary in our age of soy boys. Our celebration of diversity is just the opposite of the strength that we need as a country. So much in our culture and in our politics complicates the male-female dance in addition to that. There is a natural basis for that dance, and I'll draw pictures if you'd like, but it has uh, to be a priority that we have mores uh, to, to help that dance reach a kind of uh, enduring relationship. There has to be a reasonable uh, ground for mutual confidence that the male and female dance can lead to enduring relations. It is hard to bring men and women together toward enduring relations and community. Feminism and our celebration of sexual liberation complicates this dance, and our institutions propound these ideologies. Clearing the underbrush of the ideologies such as feminism and sexual liberation theory is a prerequisite for making any substantial progress toward building a civilization with strong families as a cornerstone. There are other ways that this must be done. I'm going to only talk about one, though I have three. Uh, that we need to de-emphasize our colleges and universities. That's essential to making progress on family matters. Almost everything in these indoctrination camps complicates the male-female dance. It delays growing up. Apprenticeship programs, master trade schools, and other alternatives to intensive and and expensive college might kickstart adult life and all its concerns in both men and women. I can see men working their way through college again just so college does not have to have such a big impact on their lives. Colleges and universities are, after after all, the citadels of our gynecocracy. And the honor and treasures poured into them must change for a national conservatism to thrive. Much more needs to be said. The stakes are high. National conservatism depends on a social fabric, and a social fabric depends on strong families, and strong families depend on strong men. This will mean a rearrangement in the public and private responsibilities of men and women. The effort to erase the old standard of public men and private women has been a mistake. That standard is a very human standard, and we should approximate it under our conditions if we are to build a genuinely national conservatism. Thank you. So that was a interesting take from one radical man um, about his beliefs on the shortcomings of conservatism. Clearly he, he's no fan of the existing conservative part. Like he's further right than he, he makes the the Republican party look really liberal compared to his views. Um, so he caught a lot of flack for a lot of things that he said, which are very just like really, wow, really dude. 
And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But first, just to get this bombastic gas bag off of your ears and off the record, um, I have another clip to play from him. Uh, This second clip is a video response that was posted to Scott Yanner's Twitter account. It was posted on November 30th, 2021. Don't know when it was recorded, but it's in response to the outcry and outrage of the statements that you just heard. So take a listen to this and we will discuss in depth at the end. Feminists are outraged about a talk I recently gave, and I've become an object of their hatred on TikTok. Well, I'd like to respond. As Americans in 2021, the so-called independent and empowered woman has become one of our most sacred values. But what is she independent of? In what way is she truly empowered? What a feminist means by that is this woman is independent of the family. She is empowered because her identity is career-based. After the feminist revolution in the 1960s, she abandoned aspirations of a family and children, mostly for the sake of a mid-level job. Is this a good trade? Are we even allowed to ask if it's worked out for her? Sure, the weakening of the family has been good for some, but for others it has brought addiction, suicide, misery, crime, pain, and purposelessness. Many polls show that women get unhappier with advances of feminism. And that comes out in our tragically high rates of medication among young girls. And what do feminists do? They deflect blame and encourage women to be angry, to be meddlesome and quarrelsome. When feminists celebrate the revolutionary anger of modern women, they are applauded. When they celebrate their nastiness, they applaud one another. Things must change if this country is to rebuild the family. While they medicate themselves in their loneliness, we should rebuild a country where men act with responsibility and purpose. We should build a country where young girls are encouraged to be mothers and wives, as well as enjoying fulfilling jobs if they choose. We should elevate the importance of family life for both men and women in America. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, pardon the interruption. I know you were really listening intensely to this episode. My apologies, but I'd like to take a moment to let you know that there are other people who love this podcast as much as you and like hearing some really cool, interesting topics and discussions. And if you have a brand, product, maybe you have a podcast yourself, if you would like to advertise in this podcast, either a pre-roll at the beginning of an episode, in the middle, just like you're hearing right now, or at the end of podcast episodes, please let me know. I would love to help you connect with the listeners just like yourself with whatever it is you would like to get uh, to their ears. Just email advertising at everettpodcast.com. Again, pardon the interruption. I will get you right back to this episode that you're listening to. Thanks. So clearly he's backtracking a little bit on it he's you know trying to be like oh well i'm not against the the women having a career and a job that they enjoy because even he knows it's a little bit bad in 2021 2022 right now to say no women need to be at home 
cooking on the stove with a pregnant belly. That is what he's saying. That is what he wants. That is what he believes. That is what this conservative group supports. That is conservatism in America. They're anti-education. They don't believe that we should be taught that it wasn't some great, you know, white Anglo-Saxon people that came to a land already occupied by indigenous people. They don't want it taught that we wiped them out, murdered them, killed them, gave them blankets ridden with disease. They don't want it discussed that the majority of our country's history had slavery. Black people were captured, imprisoned, and brought from their homeland to our country to build our buildings and create our infrastructure. They don't want to acknowledge that even though that is not, even though slavery ended at the Civil War and segregation ended in the 50s, almost 100 years later, they don't want to acknowledge that white people have benefited over time, generationally, by being white. And last name uh, recognition. You know, think about the Rockefellers, the Kennedys, the, you know, the big names that go on for generations all the way back to the 1900s. There's not very many black people that we know about that because guess what? They didn't have the right to own land. They didn't have the right to hold wealth or operate businesses. Black people and people of the color are the backbones of our country. Women didn't even have the right to vote until the 1920s. Black people had the right to vote. Black men had the right to vote before any woman. There's something wrong about that. If we truly hold women to be this sacred uh, spiritual vessel, yet we want to silence them at the, at the ballot box and take away the voice that they have as an individual, what the actual heck? So Scott Yenner is a college professor, teaches political uh, science, really kind of a joke type of uh, course, if you ask me. Um, you know, ooh, you, you study what happens at the Capitol. Oh, my God, what kind of a prestigious degree. Um, I really feel that, you know, professors like him, they're people that can't function in society. They can't go get a real job and clock in somewhere and actually do skills like, you know, a real man would do. They have to sit there and pontificate. They're, they want to hear their own voice reverberate in the stadium seating of a lecture hall. This man is a college professor who stands against higher education ideals like colleges and universities, yet has personally and financially benefited from such an organization at Boise State University in Boise, Idaho. Understandably, people have been wondering, you know, how fair is it that he is a college professor and is clearly so anti a woman getting a degree and furthering her life and having a career. 
how accurate is his grading against these women? It, it sounds like they have a lot to lose if if they don't say, you know what, Professor, you're right. I should withdraw and go, you know, find a dude and have a baby. That's what he wants them to do. How can he accurately say, oh, I'm, I, I, I view women and men as equals and I will grade them fairly? That's a problem, people. We need people like him out of our education system. There is a problem with our education system, and it's people like Scott Yenner. People that try to legislate what can be taught. People that put poisoned, toxic thoughts into young, impressionable minds. Radicals who try to say, guess what? The calendar says 2021, but it's actually 1821. Personally, I believe family is important. But a family cannot exist today in this landscape simply on a prayer or faith. You can't just go have, you know, say you're heterosexual. You can't just go uh, pick a person, have them be your spouse, you know, have some kids. How are you going to buy land? How are you going to get a house? I'm pretty sure families aren't rich enough to hand anything down. We don't have massive palatial estates. You need money to do that. And guess what? One person's job isn't going to afford that for very long. You might be able to buy the property at a good, you know, discounted rate. But long term, the needs of a healthy child, food, education, um, clothing, a house, the facilities big enough to house a expanding family takes money. And we live in a society that no longer empowers employees to make money and pay their bills. Gone are the days of having a pension. Gone are the days of getting, you know, a fair wage for what you're actually doing. There's people today that are working the same positions that my generation's parents had. And we're making, you know, at least $10 an hour less than our parents could have made in that same spot in the 1990s, 80s, and 70s. And yet we're told that the millennials and Gen Zers are the reason why our society is collapsing. Because people like Scott Yenner think that we should put more pride into just being at home and, and you know raising a family. Who's, who's going to save the family that's parked behind the Albertsons off of Park Center and Apple? Living in a truck, a broken down motorhome, and a trailer. A fifth wheel that has been modified to have a wood fireplace in it. Can you imagine the fire hazard that would be if that ever got out of control? Clearly there's kids there because they've got, you know, kid toys and stuff. They clearly had a house. But if you can't afford to pay the rent and you don't have the blessing of having a mortgage, because guess what? We also, these conservatives, don't want to acknowledge the fact that they're anti-quote socialism and we don't want to give, quote, handouts to people that don't earn it and deserve it because, oh, guess what? They had back pain 
and got taken advantage of by the pharmaceuticals, got hooked on um, high-dose narcotics, and now it's their fault because their family is living on the street. But yeah, let's let's tell people that we we hold family to be the highest ideal. That that women shouldn't go get an education so that they can provide for the family if the dad hurts his back in his mining job, gets hooked on oxycotton at the profit of a pharmaceutical company, bankrupts the family and lives on the street. We don't want to build homeless shelters. We don't want to, you know, have them in our neighborhood. Keep kicking the can down the road. That's the conservatism in America. And education flies in the face of that. If the lady can go, the wife can go get an education, she can provide for the family. Two incomes are better than one. And what if... She wants to go have a job, and what if the you know the old school ideals of the wife staying at home taking care of the kid? Why why are we so against men staying home? If you can afford to stay home, have one parent at home taking care of the kids, and one parent, you know, earning the money and paying the bills and keeping the roof over the head, and the family's all you know full and happy, great. Do it. If that's what you want to do, awesome. But this disgusting idea that men shouldn't take more than three days off of work because they had a baby and the pressure to, you know, they need to be doing all the overtime and just work their butt off and not be involved in the kid's life. That's toxic. That's disgusting. So there's a reason why our society is at the point where it's at. Conservatives are anti-regulation, anti-laws you know, laws that make it so that employers have to pay a higher minimum wage or have to guarantee a certain quality of life. Because, oh, that's socialism. Well, guess what? It'd be easier to have a family and be easier to have your pro-family, pro-life values if you actually were pro-life and pro-family from a government level. But I don't see any of them stepping up other than to say, oh, we're failing in this regard. They don't want to put their money where their mouth is. In uh, one of his videos, the first one, he At one point, he says, do we even deserve a future? The way I hear that is, do we deserve a future in support of feminism? And you can kind of see that in the rhetoric of these conservatives from for the last 20 years. We're just ramping into this. They're slowly turning up the heat. We're the frog in the pot of water. They're so mad that we're not a Christian state. Yet then they talk about, you know, how horrible it would be to have, you know, uh, Muslim representatives in Senate and uh, Congress seats because, oh, they're going to invoke Sharia law. Yet they quietly would be fine doing the same as long as it's their chosen church. 
So you can kind of see in this, the COVID-19 pandemic, the anti-masks, anti-preservation um, of life, um, you know, kind of this whole, oh, well, you know, just let the old people die. We don't care. And then in, in his statement of, you know, do we even deserve a future? That to me sounds like, do we deserve a future in support of feminism? And I ask, is the lack of COVID-19 health practices laws, regulations, and infrastructure, is that part of a desire by the conservative party to purge human life as a punishment by the radical conservative Christian right? It's a serious question. It's worth considering. And I wouldn't put it past them to, you know, support that. Of course, they're not going to come out and say, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. They dance around it. They want you to read between the lines, and their friends know exactly what they're saying and support it, and they vote and do things in accordance to that. He also mentions that there's a lack of confidence, that our low birth rate is a lack of confidence in the future. Well, first off, we're finally at a stage where we're actually talking about kind of how hard it is to actually have kids. You know, women were demonized if they had a miscarriage. Oh, well, then you must have screwed up something. Women were made to feel inadequate and like they were alone in that experience. It turns out that we now know that a lot of women actually have a lot of miscarriages. It takes actual really good timing to have a sperm and an egg actually meet up at the same time, bond and start the process of forming a baby. And it takes several months before you're out of the window of a miscarriage. So that's that, in a nutshell, is the preciousness of life. I get it. But it's not easy to have a baby. And that's, you know, that's, to be devil's advocate, that's where I get the anti-abortion mindset. Where it's, it's a precious thing. But at what cost? Again, I'm pro-life. I don't think that women should be told, hey, you know, it's really um, such an impressive thing that your body actually was able to have a baby. But, you know, we need you to continue the process and pop that kid out. We don't care as a society. We don't care if you can't afford it. We don't care if you, you know, don't, if the husband or the father doesn't want to be part of your life, you know? And then on top of that, Oh, well then you, you can't have a career. You need to stay at home. Oh wait, what? You're, you're, you're a single parent. Well, now you're on handouts. You're a horrible, you know, a horrible person because you're a welfare mama. Do you see the sick and abusive cycle that these conservative, quote, family value Christian radical right people are pushing? Perhaps the lack of confidence in the future is the reckless, reckless repopulation of this planet. The unchecked proliferation of natural and finite resources. Sure, there's a ton of land on this world, 
a lot of it's covered in ocean, which we know nothing about. There's creatures down there that we don't even have any awareness of. Then there's the continents, much of which are covered by mountains and, frankly, uninhabitable places. Deserts. And then we have water. There's not enough on this planet to support everything. We can't have housing for everybody and massive cattle ranches. We can't have water for humans and water for the cows that become food. Not everybody can eat red meat. It's not sustainable. It worked in the past. I get it. It's And it's the best that we had. It really was. It was very in, you know ingenious to come up with the cattle ranching and uh, livestock farming and ranching. It was great. Met a lot of needs back in the day in a way that we could do it. But now we have science and industrial processing. We can, you know, isolate and um, gather the the minerals and resources from plants and make healthy substitutes and alternatives that meet our nutritional needs in ways that are far better on this planet and our bodies than a good old slab of New York strip steak. You heard in his uh, speech, he makes a comment called soy boys. And I've heard that before. That's a derogatory slang phrase to call plant-based and environmentally conscious men weak. In the eyes of artery-clogged masculine men who are preparing to die prematurely of a massive heart attack. Men who are scared to question the old ways and adapt to the knowledge of today and the sustainability of tomorrow. I can't tell you how many people I've talked about when, you know, I learned about veganism. My um, then boyfriend, eventually fiance, now husband, was following a vegan lifestyle. I, you know, I learned about a lot of like, you know, soybeans and, and all that stuff. And... You know, I remember hearing a lot of people like, oh, well, aren't you worried about getting like breast cancer from eating soybeans? And there's junk science from the same people that, you know, listen to Fox News and hear the latest thing about Viagra being a way to cure COVID. Ironically, from the same manufacturer that produces the vaccine that actually can prevent COVID. But that's beside the point. Um, they talk about how soybeans are genetically mod- modified. It's truthfully, I think it's rooted in anti, um, what is it? Anti-Asian sentiment. I'm sure there's another word for it, but, um, it's, it's this anti mindset, anti other mindset of, that, you know, things that are imported from China or things that are imported from Asia might actually be healthy and more sustainable than, you know, the good old cows of Texas. And that's part of the whole COVID thing, too. Nobody wanted to wear masks, I think, because 
we see on the news all the time. Whenever there's a outbreak of some type of contagious virus, variant, whatever, in Asian countries, they put on a mask because they believe in protecting themselves and protecting each other. Well, guess who America doesn't want to look like? They don't want to look like they're accepting that maybe the Asian countries actually know what they're doing. They don't want to, you know, look like the, quote, sheep that they see on the travel shows and the news of heavily populated Asian cities where everyone's wearing a mask because they don't want to spread some virus or contagious situation. Our country is really facing and fighting an identity crisis. People like Scott Yenner represent a seed, a core of the Republican conservative Christian values of this country. And it's a problem. They want to tear down our education. They want to turn back time. They've been waiting for the good Democrats and the good progressives to die. And they're seizing opportunity to try to tear down the progress of our country. They think we should have progressed from 1900 to 1955 and stopped. They want Eisenhower to be the president again. And that's good enough. So, I don't know how I'm going to wrap this up, but women can stay home and raise a family. If their spouse, their living situation, their inheritance, whatever, if they're able to keep a roof over their heads, their children are in a good, reputable education system, they're able to feed themselves and their children, and everyone else in their household. And those children are benefiting from scientific, timely, and accurate health care. More power to them. But not everybody can have that because as a country, we don't believe in giving people what they, the tools that they need to have that, to just raise a family. We live in a society that is values capitalism. We're bombarded by ads of the latest toys and things to buy your kids at Christmas. Everyone keeps up with the Joneses and the neighbors. We really are a society where a few benefit on the backs of many. The poorest people don't get what they need because that's a handout. Those that have enough money to pay the bills don't want to give money to anybody else because they've earned it. And then we have the mega rich who exploited loopholes and massively profited as leaders of companies and organizations and um, built an empire to go play Rocket Boy last year. Thanks to all your purchases of those must-have 
toys, drugs, and whatever else your family is addicted to in our beautiful America. So I do want to define some terms just so that we're all on the same page. In case you witness anybody of the Scott Yenner ilk, misogyny is a dislike, contempt for, and ingrained prejudice against women. I think he qualifies as a misogynistic conservative. Feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. I'm a feminist. Everyone should be a feminist. If you believe that everybody has the right to pursue life, liberty, and the happiness and the freedom of their life, like our Constitution says, then you need to be a feminism person. Because women deserve all that. Did you know that women couldn't actually get a credit card, a line of credit, in their own name until the 70s? Absolutely blows my mind. In fact, the time that that became a thing to where, you know, you could get a a line of credit without, you know, being attached to your husband or getting your husband's permission, my own mom was starting high school when that fell down. It wasn't like, you know, oh, the Stone Ages ago. It was a hop, skip, and a jump through time back to 1975. Women couldn't do things without the written permission of Mr. Last Name because she was Mrs. She belonged to the man. That's disgusting. Also want to, you know, remind you of the definition of other words. They're not, they, they throw them around as bad things. But education is one of the most beautiful parts of our species. To learn from the past, to learn from each other. To learn today to help alter the trajectory of tomorrow. Think about science and and medicine. You know, we had no clue about diabetes, and now we have drugs that can extend people's lives and allow them to live like never before. 33 is a young prime age. Not too many centuries ago, 33 was an old man. That was like the most you lived. You died. Because you had backbreaking work, a rock fell on you, or whatever. You just died. And now, age 70 to 90 is the average life expectancy of our, of our country and world. Education is the process of receiving or giving systematic instruction, especially at a school or university. It's an enlightening experience. It's a good thing.
Scott Yenner uses the word androgyny several times. And just for anyone who's like, what is that word? Androgyny is a biological term. Androgyny refers to individuals with fully developed sexual organs of both sexes. You know, I just a, a pause real quick. Do you have you been paying attention? Like, do you realize how weird it is and how obsessive our conservative Christians are about genitalia? Like women aren't are supposed to be the ones that stay home and, and have the babies. Men have these uncontrollable desires and might, you know, take advantage of a lady because she was asking for it or, in the words of some people, couldn't keep her legs closed. So men are just these, you know, thirsty little pigs. And women are these, you know, sweet little tarts that are supposed to be hanging out. That's what the hell. So androgyny, androgynous figures, occurred frequently in Greek mythology. They often embody a blend of desirable male and female characteristics. So when he's thrown out the term androgyny, it means the idealistic form of a man or a woman. That's what he's referring to. Society's androgyny, ideal man, and how that flies in the face of his personal values. So, anyway, I just wanted to talk about that and how just repulsive that is. That somebody, a professor in a higher education system, can be so anti-progress in education and really anti what he's benefiting and participating in. So, please keep that in mind. You know, if you... We need to start having these discussions with people. If you're hearing people say, oh, well, I just wish we could go back to the old ways where, you know, men just, you know, got their hands dirty and did whatever and nobody complained. That's toxic, first and foremost. And it needs to not be a thing. Challenge them on it. If you hear a, a woman supporting that, remind her that it wasn't until 1920, 22, that she was able to vote. Remind her that until 1975, she couldn't get a line of credit without the permission of her husband. Let that sink in and ask them, do they want to go back to that? Were those the good old days that we're missing out on in 2022? Anyway, that's all I got. Running just under an hour. Thank you for joining me this discussion. And, uh, you know, keep, keep up the good fight. Challenge the status quo. Listen to others. Evaluate your position. Why you, you know, believe what you believe and value what you value. If there's something you didn't consider, if there's room for you to grow, take that course. It might hurt. It might, you know, be uncomfortable to challenge the way you've always seen things or thought about things or the way that your family told you things were. 
But true happiness in this world comes when you question what was fed to you from other people and actually, you know, figure out why you believe something and why something's important to you, not to them. So anyway, thank you for joining me again. Look forward to talking to you soon. I'm not sure if I, I this year, I'm not sure if it's going to be a regular po- uh, posting situation or if I'm just going to wait till I get something kind of like this that I'm just like, you know what? I want to talk about that. So I will see you next time, whenever that is. And I hope you have a great week, day, month, year. Until we talk again, be blessed, stay happy, stay healthy, and think about those around you. Thank you for listening to Everything with Everett. Connect with Everett and other listeners on Facebook and Twitter at Everett Podcast. Everett would love to hear from you. Share your thoughts by emailing mystory at everettpodcast.com. You can also leave a voicemail or send a text message to 208-391-2808. Choose to listen, speak with kindness, and have a great day.